Hi, my name's Kevin. Welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about touching up walls. Earlier today, Dale decided to touch up this wall using a brush. And as you can see, not so much. This wall was painted before with a roller, leaving a stipple on it. And what we're going to be focusing in on today is how to retouch this wall with the same method that it was originally painted in. So what we're going to be using will be a roller frame and a roller cover, and of course, a paint tray. So we'll throw some paint into our tray, wet our roller, get it nice and sopped up, and then we're going to load the wall with paint. Doesn't really matter how well you put it on, we're just gonna load it up. All right, now that we've loaded the wall up with paint, we're gonna set the stipple the same way that it was originally done. Overlapping, nice and smoothly. And there you go. Just like that, we should have a great looking wall after this thing dries. So that's it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hope to see you next week as we talk about renovating your life and your house. Well, hello, Heritage. Welcome. All of you here at Rock Island, our brothers and sisters out of Bentendorf, QC West, and those joining us online, thanks for being part of this gathering this weekend. This is week three of Renovate. It's a sermon series where we're just walking through the realities of life and family, and we started two weeks ago by jumping right into the living room to talk about relationships. And last week, we stepped on into the home office to talk about the things we value, our treasure. But this weekend, we're stepping into the kitchen to talk about marriage. And it really doesn't matter where you're at in your life journey, whether you're married or not married. Today is an opportunity for you to lean into biblical truth and realities that are relevant no matter where you're at in phase of life, for things that were or are or are even to come in your journey with the Lord. So... Glad you're here. Also glad that we have a special guest with us to help us walk through this conversation, my friend Matt Lair. Heritage, you give him a shout out, greeting, even at the other campuses. Greet Matt for me. Brother, it's been great to spend some time getting to know you just in my journey here in the Quad Cities. Love your heart. Matt has started a marriage mentoring ministry called Dare to be Different that has gone on to we literally impact thousands of people and couples, either those needing mentoring or those who are positioned to be mentors. And I'm glad you're here with us this weekend to walk us through this conversation. Well, I'm excited. I mean, our whole ministry was launched from Heritage. I mean, it's because of Heritage, it's because of you that we got into ministry and thousands of mentors are trained now fighting for marriages all across the nation. And it all started right here. It's awesome. Praise God for that. Praise God yeah. for you. We're going to dive into that today. Amen. Cool, cool Ripple. Man, I, I want to pray for you as you step into this. So join me as I pray for our brother Matt. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather in worship as the church. 
Thank you for the opportunity we have now to spend a few moments in conversation. May, may your Holy Spirit just settle upon uh, your servant, Matt. May we hear from you through him. Help us to have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive what it is you want us to know and understand so that we can live in every area of our life, in every way, in every relationship, in a way that honors you. So take these next few moments, God, and speak uh, to each of us in this journey. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate it. Well, it's really good to be here. I'm honored. It's awesome to be here. I was excited about this because uh, years and years ago, we, we dove into marriage ministry. My wife, Pam, and I did. And with the help of Kathy Brothers, many of you know Kathy. If you know Kathy, clap really loud. Yep, you know her. Okay. If you love her, clap really loud. That's right. That's what I thought. That's what I thought would happen. And we sort of got into ministry, Pam and I did, and it's just an amazing journey. And so there's a lot of roots, a lot of history here. And I just want to thank you for that. And I'm going to share some of that tonight. And the message tonight, the title to the message is how to fix your spouse. Does somebody here know of a spouse who needs fixed? Just raise your hand right now. Keep it up. I get it. I get it. You know somebody. We're going to unpack that tonight. And it's interesting, as I titled that message, there's a reason I titled it that way. It's because a lot of people come into the arena of marriage mentoring or marriage counseling, not to sort of get fixed. We bring our spouse, we're like, get them fixed. It happens all the time. It happens in marriage mentoring. It happens in marriage counseling, and, and they drag their spouse in. And because it happens so much, I thought, you know, I'm going to write a message on it. And so here it is. And I brought my toolkit with me, if you can kind of see it from where you're at. And I'm going to sort of unpack what kind of tools we're using right now to fix our spouses or maybe to fix other people. So if you're here and you're not married, maybe, maybe you're younger and you're single, stay tuned in. I see a lot of young people right now. Just stay tuned in because I want to speak directly to you. You're going to get married someday. It's coming it's going to happen to you. So stay tuned in because I got a few special words for you. But if you're here and you're older and you're not married, maybe you'll never marry again for whatever reason. Hey, don't check out. I want you to stay tuned in as well. And here's why. Because God's going to send someone to you who needs help. Right now, we all know someone who's struggling and, and their marriage may have issues. And maybe it's a son or a grandson or a neighbor or a daughter. And so if you're not married and you're older, stay tuned in because I'm going to give you a formula tonight. And I want you to take this formula and part it into their life. So stay tuned in. And if you're here and you are married, happy or sad, glad or mad, doesn't matter, certainly this message is for you. And I got to tell you before I even dive into scripture that my marriage isn't perfect. I don't have a perfect marriage. My wife and I started out and we had troubles, we had issues. I remember, like it was yesterday, I went over to her condo to pick up all of her furniture the day after we got married. And, and she had a condo in Bettendorf, and I remember I pulled up, and, and all her furniture was sort of ready. And you got to know something about Pam. She's beautiful. She's very smart. She's very safe, very organized. And I'm not. And I pulled up, and, and all of her furniture's ready, you know, and we loaded up into my trailer, and we get it all packed in there nice, and she comes up to me, and she puts her hands right on my shoulders, and she looks at me, and she goes, now, honey, when we drive across town, drive slow. And then she climbs in the trailer and kneels down and puts her hands around her furniture so it won't get scratched. Okay. 
And I'm driving across Kimberly Road on a real busy day, you know, and all of a sudden I saw Taco John's and I got hungry for a taco. And the problem is the light right there at that intersection turned yellow. Hey guys, yell out loud right now. What do you do when a light turns yellow? You gun it. And I forgot she was even back there for a few seconds. And I gunned it and I whipped it to the left and whipped it to the right and the trailer completely comes disconnected and it passes me with her in it. And I yell out the window, Pam, hold on. Boom, that thing hits the curb at Taco Bell or Taco John's. So she gets out and then I get out and we exchanged words. <laughs> then I go in and get three tacos and a Mountain Dew. And we hook it all back up and we go home. And that's how we started our marriage. I mean, somebody here needs fixed, right? Who, which one of us, me or her or both? I don't know. And I want to start the message tonight with a, I want, I want you to do something, a little exercise really quick. And all the campuses do this. Look at the person next to you right now and say this to them because it's, it's so true. Just tell them right now, you're not perfect. Just tell them right now. Just say, you're not perfect. <laughs> this is shocking. I mean, this is like earth moving. They didn't know until just now. They didn't know. And, and now look back at them and say this, neither am I. Neither am I. We're all flawed here tonight, amen? We're all flawed, every one of us. Pastor Sean is flawed. I love the guy. But we all come with issues and luggage, and we bring our issues into marriage like a little piece of luggage, you know? All of our habits and our, and our wants and our wishes and our, and our, and our quirks, we, we bring it right into marriage. It's almost kind of like, it's kind of like I, I have all my issues in this luggage, and I don't show all of it to Pam until we're married, you know, and I bring it into the marriage, and then all of a sudden I open up, here it all is, honey, look what you got. And sometimes that brings conflict. And sometimes that brings pain. And that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. What tools am I using to fix my spouse? What tools are you using to fix other people? And the first tool that I want to draw to our attention tonight before we dive into Scripture is a hammer. Anger. This is a tool that we use to fix other people. It's not an accident. I don't accidentally wake up one day and I slip and fall and get angry. It's a choice. It's a decision. I grab for it. I learn how to use this when I'm, when I'm young. And it doesn't work. The Bible says that man's anger never produces the righteousness of God. It doesn't say sometimes it does and sometimes it works. It says man's anger never produces God's righteousness. And I look back at my life and I look back at my marriage at the times I've used this and it breaks my own heart. And I'm guilty. God forgive me. Another tool that I'm guilty of using is like a screwdriver. And I love this whole setting and I love this whole series. It helps us make it practical. And a screwdriver is kind of like manipulation. You know, I'll act in a certain way. I'll behave in a certain way where I'll get what I want. I'll fix her. I'll quit talking to her. I'll quit holding her hand. I'll quit opening her door. I'll quit hugging her. I'll quit communicating. Or maybe I use anger as manipulation. I'll be so mad and I'll be so angry that you'll give in. You'll have to deal with my wrath. I'll find a way. I'll fix you. And again, I'm guilty. I look at another tool here. You can't see it from where you're sitting, but it's a little saw. It's a little hand saw. It's got little fine teeth on it. And it cuts. It cuts both ways. 
It's what I call criticism. Words. I don't have to be mad. I don't have to yell. I don't have to curse. Uh, you see, I, I just know the right word to use to fix you. I know what'll get you. I know what'll cut you. As a matter of fact, finish this quote for me. Everybody knows it. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never. That's a lie from Satan. You see, bruises go away. Bones heal. But sometimes the words that we choose to those we love hurt and cut and wound for a lifetime. There's been times in my marriage that my words rolled off my tongue and I knew they would hurt. And as soon as they rolled off, man, I just wish I could have grabbed them and brought them back. But it's too late. I could interview every single one of you tonight and find a time in your life that somebody spoke words into your life and it made you feel like there was no mountain you couldn't climb. There's no ocean you couldn't swim. It made you feel valued. It made you feel like you can be something. But then I could also interview you a time where someone used words that wounded you deeply. Words matter. I'm guilty. This other tool, I've only got a couple more. I could go on and on. This is kind of like a guide tool. Earplugs. I'll fix her. I don't really like what she's saying. I'll just tune her out. And ladies, you can do it too. I know, I know. And lastly, I save this one for last, is duct tape. All the things we can do to fix our spouse with duct tape. I kind of look at this as power, like a power struggle in the marriage. I'm in charge. It's my decision. I'm the leader. No, it's my job. I'm going to do it. Or sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to me through Pam. Pam speaks to me some wisdom, amazing discernment, and I don't like it. So I'm going to fix her. I'm like, honey, I got just the thing for you. Come here. Come a little closer. Come on. I got it. Come here. And the truth is, I shouldn't be using duct tape on her. I should use it on me. And what I want to do right now with you is I want you to look at these tools and I want you to identify which ones have you brought into this marriage, which one have you brought into your life, which habits have you created since you were little. And I think we can all agree they don't work. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the word flesh. This is my flesh, my sin nature. This is, this is the way I am without the Holy Spirit, without God. This is how I am. This is how I fix people. And it doesn't work. And it wrecks my life. As a matter of fact, one time when we were early on married, I was on my knees praying, and I was upset with Pam over something. I can't even remember what it was. And I was upset, and I was praying. I said, Lord, what is it with that woman? Help me. And God said this, Matt, put your tools down and get out of my way. Well, God, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? He said, Matt, put your tools down and get out of my way. He said, when you're using your tools, you're wounding the heart of your wife. And now she won't listen to me. Think about that tonight. When I use my tools on people, they don't work, but they cause bitterness and hardness and a, and a hard heart. And all of a sudden, that person tunes out the Lord. And God said, hey, Matt, I don't know if you uh, forgot this, but I created the universe, not you. I created the human race, not you. I heal people, not you. I fix people, not you. I'm working with Pam. Get out of my way. It was one of the deepest, most amazing moments in my life where I had to just grow up and realize my tools don't work. How about you? And so I trusted the Lord. 
And I decided to get out of his way. And so if it's true that we can't fix our spouses, and if it's true that you can't fix yours, then what can we do? And that's where we're going to dive into the Word of God. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to 2 Chronicles 7.14. i got one scripture. This passage seems way too simple to do so much. It seems, it seems so simple. How can it possibly do so much? And I, all I can tell you is trust me and trust it. It will and it can. Let me read it to you. It says, if my people, let's stop right there. If my people, if my people, if, you, if I see the word if in scripture, anytime I read scripture, I see the word if, it's a big deal to me. If is a word of condition. It's a word that, that's a conditional word. If I do this, God says, then I'll do that. He says, if my people, that's us, who are called by my name, will do three things, I'll blow a healing into your life that you can't even imagine. He said, if you do three things, if you humble yourself, pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and I will, listen to this, heal your land. If you humble yourself, if you seek me, and if you turn. And I want to unpack that for you tonight. I want to, I want to go deeper into that message to you tonight. Number one is to humble myself. It starts right there. I want to fix Pam. I want to fix her. Humble myself. That's hard. <laughs> That's not easy. We don't wake up humble accidentally. We're not born humble. We fight our flesh every day. And as I was studying this word humility, I found it over 88 times in Scripture, the word humble or the word humility. All I can say to you to, is, is that the word humility and being humble is a huge deal to God. Can't be too humble. If I look back at all the messes I've made in my life, they're almost all connected to me being prideful. So I said, God, show me somebody in Scripture that I can relate to. Show me somebody that can just blow my mind at, at how to be humble, God. Somebody that, that's real. And so in all my studies, I came across this guy, and I love studying about him. His name is King David. David, how many of you know that God favored David? God favored him. There was something about him that God loved. How many of you tonight, by raising your hand, you want God's favor to just be blown into your life in an amazing way? Just raise your hand right now. That's right, into your life, into your kids' lives. And so I'm like, God, I want that. What did this guy do to deserve it? So I wrote down next to his name, King David. I wrote the things, just short, I wrote what he did and what he didn't do. I wrote the things he did, and I wrote the things that upset God. And by the way, I backed up and I looked at three kings. I looked at him and I looked at King Saul who led before him. And I looked at King Solomon who led after him. I said, okay, let me look at these three kings because I found something amazing in the New Testament. King David's name, get this, was mentioned over and over and over and over in the New Testament with reverence and awe and amazing and, and his lineage and all of what King David did was amazing. But I didn't see Saul's name. I didn't see Solomon. So I'm like, man, what is it, God? So next to David, I wrote, well, let me back up. I, I started with Saul. I wrote next to him. At the end of his reign, God gave him everything. God made him a hero. God made him king. And all of a sudden, Saul became arrogant and prideful. At the end of his reign, he became unteachable. And get this, God took away everything. He went from hero to zero. Arrogance and pride. And I look at Saul, I'm like, oh my goodness, that could be me, God. The ministry that you bestowed upon Pam and I could be stripped away like that if I become arrogant and not teachable. And next to King David, I wrote that he had sex with another man's wife. He, he committed adultery and then he committed murder. I wrote that down. 
Not a good day at the office for David. Then next to Solomon, I wrote, in the end of his reign, God said, Solomon, don't marry foreign women. Don't marry women who don't believe in me. Don't marry women who believe in foreign gods, false gods. And Solomon, he did it anyway. I'm looking at these three kings. I'm looking at this, and something was amazing to me. I'm like, David's sin, his grievance seemed a hundred times worse. Then why is it that his name is still mentioned and his reverence and his legacy was not stripped from him? God, what is it about this guy? Look at what he did, murder and adultery, God. And all of a sudden, God took me to Psalm 51. And David did something the other kings wouldn't do. David did something husbands don't do all across the land when we try to help them. David did something wives don't do all across the land. Today, in this era, David fell on his face before the Lord and repented. He became broken. He, it's like he ripped his chest open before the Lord as a king, a dignitary. And he didn't care about his position. And he fell flat on his face before the Lord in Psalm 51. And he said, God, I'm the problem. Forgive me. It's me. And he humbled himself. And what's neat about that story is I look at David and I'm like, wow, God, your grace is amazing. That gives us hope in the room. We can bring stuff into the room, into this, into this message tonight, and you can bring all kinds of history and baggage. But if we do what David did, we can be freed from the guilt and the shame like God forgave him and restored him. Were there consequences? Of course there were. But God's legacy stayed on David's life. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for you. Humble myself. Do what David did. So I got a couple tangibles here before we move on to the next point. What do I do to be humble? Get an accountability partner. I meet with a group of guys every week. These are some tangible things to be humble. Share everything. Hide nothing. Sometimes that's tough. I share the secret parts of my life, the things that I battle, the things in my mind and in my heart. I share at times when I fail my wife, and these men hold me accountable. Take a long, hard look in the mirror. Fear God. Identify changes I can make. And here's one that's really hard. Don't return fire with fire. Don't return fire with fire. I remember one time that Pam and I got into a piece of conflict. <clears throat> I don't even remember exactly what it was over. And I remember I got upset and I got in my car and I tore off and I squealed the tires. I was like, I'll show her. <laughs> Anybody here ever do that? One person. <laughs> hmm. So I'm driving down the street, and I'm really upset, and, and all of a sudden, the Lord knocked on my head. Hey, Matt, what are you doing? Hey, God, this is not a good time. Could you come back later? <laughs> what are you doing? I go, God, did you see the things that she did or said or didn't say or whatever it was? And God says, whoa, 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 whoa. I called you to be a better man than this man. I called you to love your wife, be patient, to be kind. He said, hey, Matt, don't forget, I sent my son to die on the cross for your wife. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. And in that conviction and in that moment, I'm like, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll serve her. I'll love her. I'll, I'll buy her flowers. So I whipped into a high V to buy her flowers when I was mad. Have you ever bought flowers for someone when you were mad at them? It's weird. My luck is I get up to the counter and I get the happiest high school girl in the world. Yeah, I'd like to buy my wife some flowers. Oh, that's amazing. What kind are you going to get her? Cheapest kind you got. Whack off the heads and wrap the stems. 
I didn't do that. And I got her these flowers, and, and on the way home, the Lord started working with my heart. He said, Matt, if you humble yourself and seek me and turn from your flesh, I will heal you. I will heal her. I'll heal your home. He said, trust me. Now, I thought I would kick the door open like in the movies, you know, and I'd hand her the flowers, and she'd melt into my arms, you know. It'd be really cool and, and romantic. And, yeah, that didn't happen. But I know later it meant the world to Pam. You see, a humble person bites their tongue until it bleeds. A humble person doesn't return fire with fire. A humble person allows the Holy Spirit to drive their behavior and their actions in the moments that they're hurt. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power supernaturally to love someone that doesn't deserve it, even when you're wounded. And the Holy Spirit allows me to put duct tape on my own mouth. Because that's what humble people do. It's what humble wives do. It's what humble husbands do. And that's what I want for you. So ladies, if it's only fair that we love you when you don't deserve it, I'm asking you to respect us when we don't. To give us mercy, the same amount of mercy that you want. And show us your love when you're wounded and we'll pray that we show you our love when we're wounded. Because it isn't when things are great is where I get to prove my love to Pam. That's not where the real Matt shows up. The real Matt shows up when I'm hurt and angry. My expectations aren't met. Then you get to see the real me. And sometimes that's really good and Holy Spirit led. Sometimes it's not. And I must repent and humble myself. Number two is to seek God's face. Seek God's face. I, so, so I humble myself and I seek him. And how do I seek him? I get an accountability partner and, and I get a wingman and, and I pray and I fast and I study the word and I worship. And these are how, ways that I can seek the Lord. I seek the Lord through reading scripture. I seek the Lord on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, not just, not just the weekend, not just in the service. I seek him. I seek him. I seek him. Frustrates me. How many couples want to end their marriage and their family? And I'll say, hey, uh, before you do that, have you sought the Lord? No. Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. H have you read what the Bible says about what you want to do? No. Oh, hold on. Have you prayed? No. What are you doing? God says, seek me. Hold on. He goes, before, seek me. Humble yourself and seek me. Seek me. Come to me. I'll help you. I'll comfort you. I'll give you supernatural power. I'll heal you. I'll help your heart not get so hardened. Trust me, seek me. And number three is the hardest. To turn from my ways. Turn from my ways. Matter of fact, in the scripture it says, turn from my wicked ways. When I first read that, I'm like, well, that's not talking to me. I'm not wicked. <laughs> I'm a pretty good guy. <laughs> yeah, I got issues, but I'm not wicked. And all of a sudden the Lord said this, Matt, every single time I use my flesh, it's wicked. Every single time I use one of these things, it's wicked and it hurts and it, it damages. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, it is me. I am wicked. God, forgive me. How about you? What do you need to turn from tonight? What do you need healing from tonight? What habits need to be completely broken? What habits do you bring in? God, help me. It's interesting in 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 8, 
It challenges us. Get this. I'll give you the short version. It says this, when someone wounds you and causes you grief, 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 8, it says this, you go and comfort them, forgive them, and reaffirm your love for them so they're not overwhelmed with excessive sorrow for what they've done to you. In other words, when Pam hurts me and wounds me with her tools, I need to hold her and comfort her. With the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do this. And God says, if you do that, I'll heal your home. And I want to speak for a second to all you young folks that aren't married yet. Make a promise to me tonight. Please promise me that you will never marry someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And it's not because of rules or regulations. It's because when you do get married, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have days that, that you don't deserve love. And I want you to be married to someone that has a supernatural ability to love you when you don't deserve it. And the only way that could happen is if the Holy Spirit is inside. Amen, parents? Amen. So no matter how good looking he is, girls, doesn't know Jesus, walk away. And guys, I don't care how pretty she is, she doesn't know Jesus, walk away. As we close or we get close to closing, I want to draw your attention to these cards, everyone. Uh, we've got these in. I want you to pull them out, everybody in the room. Everybody pull these cards out, married or not, doesn't matter. And then they're, they're contact cards. And if you're here tonight and, and you, your marriage needs a tweak, maybe it just needs a tweak, maybe it just needs some encouragement, or maybe it needs an overhaul. There is a team of marriage mentors in this church that are highly skilled and anointed and trained with a very powerful method where they want to meet with you for 10 weeks in the privacy of their home. They want to walk with you, meet you where you are, and help you humble yourself, seek the Lord, and turn from your ways. And all I'm going to ask you to do tonight is to sign that card. And you will not be noticed and it will not be embarrassing because here's the deal. I want all of you to turn in these cards in the offering on all campuses. Just turn it in. Get this, signed or not. If you didn't sign it, turn it in, the offering. If you did sign it, turn it in. So nobody will be noticed. There'll be no embarrassment. We want to know who you are. We want to help you. Help is on the way. This team of mentors in this church have trained, uh, I know, well into the hundreds of couples over the years. And I don't have time tonight to unpack the miracles that God has worked through them. All I want you to do is sign this card. Humble yourself. Seek the Lord. Turn. Turn from your ways. And you might be saying, hey, Matt, that just seems too easy. Some people come and say, well, Matt, I want healed first. Let me talk about that for a second. I want healed first, and then I'll be humble. I want to come to the altar first and say, God, heal me. Then I'll be humble. Then I'll seek you, and then I'll turn. And God says, no. He says, right here is my order. He says, if you would only humble yourself, and then if you would just seek me and turn, then, I love that word, then, I'll blow a healing into your life. Some of you might be saying, well, getting mentored by another couple, that's embarrassing or that's awkward. I, I, you know, it's humbling. Yeah, it is. You're right. But God will meet you there. It's powerful. It's life-changing. And as I close, I, I just want to share this, this final story. It, it's a, some of you might be thinking, well, Matt, why are you so fired up over this message? Why has this message got you so worked up? Is there a deeper reason? Is there a deeper meaning? And my answer to your question would be simply, yes, there is. See a guy 
guy came to me years ago. He said, I got married at a young age. My wife got pregnant at 14. At 15, we had our first child. Can you imagine how hard that would be? Our marriage started rocky. It was horrible. We used all these tools on each other. It didn't work. We stuck it out. We had another child. I go off to the military. I come back from the military. We got saved. We found Christ, but our marriage got worse. And then he said this. He said, my wife, she came up to me one night, and she said, I don't love you anymore. I'm gone. It's over. And there he stood at a crossroad. Some of you right now might be standing at a crossroad, or you know someone who is, and they have one of two paths to take. One is a path of contempt and anger and bitterness and hardened heart, and it leads to all kinds of things. It includes divorce and many, many other things. But there's this other path. It's a path of forgiveness. It's powerful. It's supernatural. And I don't know how or why, but here's what he said to his wife. He said, I choose this path right here of forgiveness. He said, you take however long you need with your lover. And when you're done with him, you come back to me. And I'm going to love you all the days of your life. And she left. And there he stood all alone. And the months went on. And it was hard. But he trusted in something. He trusted in this. He trusted in the Lord. And he said, God, I'll humble myself and seek you and turn from my flesh. And about a year later, he gets a knock at the door and he opens it up and there she stood. Will you take me back? He said, yes, I will. And he grabbed her and brought her into his chest and he held her and he, he loved her all the days of her life. And that couple was married 60 years. And after that, one of the sons that they had. They had four more sons after that. Four more sons were born after that. One of those sons was me. My dad had no idea that when he said to my mom, I'll wait for you, that his decision would yield my life. He didn't know that his decision to love my mom while she was with her lover and to humble himself and seek the Lord in turn, he didn't know that his decision would make such a difference. He didn't know that one of his unborn sons would, would be part of a ministry where thousands of people would be trained to fight for marriage and family. And you don't know the blessings that lie ahead. And you don't know the blessings that lie ahead when you humble yourself and you take that path and, and you just wake up one day and go, Lord, it's me. God, forgive me. You don't know. Matter of fact, my mom and dad came to me and asked me to remarry them last year. You should have been there. You should have seen it. 60 years married. They never were married in a chapel. They only got married at the Justice of the Peace. And my mom said, hey, before dad dies, do you think you could marry us? Yeah, I think I can. Should have seen them walk down the aisle with their walkers. And off to the side of all the, the men were my brothers of groomsmen. And off to the side of my mother were my sisters. And there wasn't a dry in there. And they walked down the aisle with this gleam on their face. God healed this home. That's what God can do. My father died about a month ago. And I wish you would have been there because as my mom was standing next to his, his, his chair that he died in, she was weeping and she kept saying this over and over, you promised me you wouldn't leave me. You promised me you wouldn't leave me alone. You promised me you would wait. Wow. The 
power of God in this couple. That's what I want for you. Humble yourself. Seek the Lord. Turn from your ways. Give him a chance. He'll blow a healing into your life that could affect unborn children in your future. It could affect things that you can't see. Let's pray. Father, as we close tonight, I just pray, Lord, that you prepare hearts. Father, that you, you give us the courage to sign a card, a simple card that says, I need help. Father, I pray that you anoint more than ever before this church and its leadership. And I pray in all the campuses that hearts are stirred right now and, and they raise their hand in a humble way and say, hey, I'm going to humble myself tonight. I'm going to sign this card and I'm going to get help before it's too late. Father, we pray that in return, we will give you all the glory. In your holy name we pray. Amen.